Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so Are you ready to hear the word of God today? I will continue to talk about great grace. In Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 33. Now the multitude of those believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. The Bible described the birth of the first church in the world in the book of Acts. And God gave so much power in that church. God gave so much grace in that church. The Bible said that the believers in the church at that time were one in heart, in spirit, and in soul. They were on the same page. They have the same thing in their heart and their mind. This is so important. When you join a church, you should, should be in unity with that church and have the same way of thinking. You move in the same way with that body of Christ. Move together. Believe in the same thing. If you don't understand certain teaching in that church, get the CD, get the MP3, and listen until you understand what God is doing in that house so that we will be in the same page together and the Great grace of God will be upon all of us. Amen. The Bible says that the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. They're serious about listening to the teaching of the apostle. The more full of the spirit you are, the more love you will have as well. Because the Holy Spirit is God and God is love. So the more of the spirit inside you, the more love you have. And the more power you have, the more full of the spirit you have, the less materialistic you will become. And the less you will think about yourself, about your own concern, your own finances and your own materials. You will love people and you think about their well-being and their needs more than yourself. How can you tell a person is full of the Holy Spirit? Not just speaking in tongue, not just shaking and fall under the power. You see that they love people. They walk in the grace of God. They walk in the power of God. And they love the brothers and sisters. That's why in the early church, they share things with one another and they love one another. The Bible says that great grace was upon them all. So people can have a little bit of grace and people can have more grace. In the early church time, Great grace was not only upon the leaders or the pastor, but great grace was upon every believer. How many people want to be that kind of church? That great grace is upon all of us. The Bible talks about grace is a favor, is like a due. The Bible calls grace and favor from the same root Hebrew language and Greek language. Many times the Bible uses the word favor for the word grace. The Bible compares the favor of God like dew on the grass. The dew can be so light that it's very perceptible. Or the dew can be so thick that drip off 
from the grass like a rain. You can have little grace or you can have more grace. Do you know that many of you, the grace of God is upon you and helps you all this year that you are not even aware of? Now I look back in my life. Wow, so many years that the grace of God worked in me and helped me all this year. I did not know because I was so immature. But now I look back. I know that the grace of God has been helping me, operating in my life, and working around me. Every good thing that you can receive in your life, maybe a husband, a wife, or a nice house, or a good job. Every good thing that comes to you comes by the grace of God. Every good thing that you can accomplish and you can do, it comes by the grace of God. I can practice as a neurosurgeon in East Side here. Actually, I passed the license test at Olympia without even study, and I just check, 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 and pass. That is the grace of God. That God wanted me to practice in America and become a pastor here. It's the grace of God that helped me. The grace of God is the opportunity for our life. The grace of God is also the abilities. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen: "Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need." The grace of God is our help. Everywhere we go, we need help. The grace of God help us. The presence of God is there to help us. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one. I'm reviewing right now because. The more we hear the word, the more faith we have. So don't get bored of reviewing, because even I myself, the more I read, the more faith I have in the subject of the grace of God. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace of God gives you strength to be able to get the job done. Hebrews chapter twelve verse twenty-eight. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. The grace of God enables us to be able to serve God in such a way that He is pleased and He's happy with us. We need the grace of God in the ministry. What happened if this year, year 2015, you have twice of the grace that you had in year 2014? If you have more grace this year, the things that that used to be difficult for you, they will become easy for you. If you have more grace this year, the things that you were not able to do last year, you will be able to do it and accomplish it. If you have more grace, the weaknesses in your life, the area of your life that you keep falling, you keep yielding to it, maybe pornography, maybe drug addiction, maybe anger or complaining, Anything that you use to fall in with enough grace, you can rise up in strength and you can overcome those areas in your life and you just wipe them out and no more in your life. You become calm. You change to become a new person by the grace of God. You can resist any temptation. You can overcome any sin in your life with the grace of God. With more grace, no miracle is too big for you to receive. With enough grace, no healing that you cannot receive. You can receive any kind of healing in your life. You become a man or a woman of God that God wants you to become. You can do what God calls you to do, and you can move on to accomplish what God calls you to do by the grace of God. With the grace of God, 
you can do anything that God has called you to do. Amen. The grace of God is the presence of God upon our life. You have the presence of God, and that presence of God will go before you to prepare the way for you. Actually, when you show up, things ready for you. The people there don't even know that you're going to show up. In 1985, by the grace of God, when I show up, the University of Washington just changed the new chairman of the Department of Neurosurgery. The previous chairman did not want to take any foreign doctor, but they just changed to the new one a couple years beforehand. And just before I show up, one of the resident resigned. From being neurosurgery resident, I came in the right timing. God prepared a position for me at the University of Washington. Now I look back. Who is the grace of God? I myself cannot get a position at University of Washington. He prepared a way before me. He get everything ready for me. Nothing can hinder me. There is no delay. It's a perfect timing for me. The grace of God is upon my life. But the key. Don't boast about it. That because you are smart, you're great, you're capable. It's all by the grace of God. The grace of God is the presence of God. The Bible used the term the hand of God. The hand of God is a symbolic reference to the presence of God upon somebody. The hand of God is upon somebody. Is the presence of the Holy Spirit, the grace. When you cannot resolve the problem in your office. And you pray. Suddenly, the hand of God came upon your mind and become clear. Oh, this is the way how to handle this issue. Boom! Within one second, the problem is resolved because the hand of God comes upon your mind. The hand of God can come upon your body to heal your sickness. The hand of God can come upon any part of your life, your finances, anything, your marriage, to bring success and victory to you. Amen. And when the hand of God come upon you, you know exactly what to say. You know exactly what to do, where to go, what to write, what to say. Exactly because the hand of God is upon you. One thing you need to understand: you don't need to force God to give grace to you. You don't need to try to convince God that please give grace to me, because giving grace to His children is His original plan. It is His idea anyway. It's not your idea. It is his idea. His desire is to give more grace to you and me. But do you desire to have more grace? That's the question. He wants to give you more grace. And the second thing is that what we're gonna do, or what kind of heart we should have, in order to receive or obtain more grace. Yes, God wants to give grace to everybody, but you need to have the right kind of heart, and the heart. Will dictate the action. James chapter four verse six. But he give more grace. Therefore, he say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What kind of heart that a person should have in order to obtain more grace? A humble heart. Whenever you think that you don't need to worship God anymore, you don't need to come to sit and listen to the sermon. You think I know everything. I'm just a capable man. You know, not only do we not receive from the grace from God, the Bible say God will resist you. How can you be successful if God resists you, and you don't obtain more grace? That's why you need to humble yourself. 
listen to the sermon, read the Bible, pray, seeking God, asking God, humble yourself all the time in order to receive more grace from God. Stay humble all the days of your life. No matter how big you are, how much Bible knowledge you have, how much anointing you have, you still stay humble. Give you example, Esther. I'm reviewing about her life a little bit. Esther came from an unknown, insignificant girl in society. But by the grace of God, she was moved to the position that influenced and changed the course of a nation. It's by the grace. But if you study the life of Esther carefully, you find out that Esther was very humble. The Bible says that Esther never demand anything from anybody. She only was looking to God. She depended on God. She was so humble. She did not force people. She never feel that she entitled. Never feel entitled. She never think that people owe something to her. She always humble herself and depend on the grace of God. That's why God gave her so much favor. Amen. Romans chapter 11 verse 6, the Bible says, And if by grace, then it is no longer works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The Bible emphasizes that grace doesn't come to you by work. In other words, you cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. You cannot pay for it. Grace is the unmerited gift. It's a free gift from God. It's the undeserved gift. You don't even deserve the grace of God. You cannot boast that, oh, I have done this. God has to do something for me. You just come to him humbly and say, God, I need you. I humble myself before you to depend on your grace. And when you show your grace to me, I am thankful. I cannot boast about it. I cannot quote that I'm a great man. And I need to just have the right heart before you. And that right heart dictate my right action. Everyone say the right heart. It's interesting. Even though God wants to give grace to all human beings on earth, including non-believers. Jesus died for non-believers too. But not everybody wants to receive the grace of God. They rejected God because of the pride. I don't need Jesus. I can take care of myself. And at the same time, many believers who receive certain amount of grace because they receive Jesus, then they have the grace of God in their life. They are not interested in receiving more grace. I don't know about you, I want more grace. (laughs) I want to be a Christian who says, God, I desire more grace. This year, 2015, I want more grace than last year, 2014. How many people have a desire for more grace? Wow, thank God. You are not, 
whatever will be will be. I don't care whether God give grace to me. You say I care. I need more grace. Amen. I'm gonna look up to God. Amen. Daniel was another one. Daniel received so much grace from God. He was a captive boy in Babylon, but God gave him so much wisdom, and eventually he became the prime minister in that nation. Because if you study the life of Daniel carefully, Daniel was never demanding anything from anybody. He was so humble. He did not feel that things are entitled to him. He was looking up to God. He expect God to move for him. He never say that people owe anything to him. He's very very humble. Another person that received so much grace from God is Ruth. Wow, I love the story of Ruth so much. Naomi, the son died, and other daughter-in-laws just say bye-bye. But Ruth was humble and faithful to her mother-in-law. Everyone say humble, and everyone say faithful. She say, "Wherever you go, I go. Whatever God you worship, I worship your God." And how humble she was. She wanted to make sure that her mother-in-law Naomi would have enough food to eat. She was on her knee, on her hand, to pick up the grain behind the reapers in the strong sunlight. She doesn't mind to do menial and small work. She was so humble, and she was so faithful to the point of Boaz, her future husband, heard the story that this woman really faithful to her mother-in-law. She worked so hard. She is a humble woman, and God moved in the heart of Boaz. To like her and to marry her, and eventually Ruth became an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone say humility. Everyone say faithfulness. Today we're going to learn about another man who has so much grace from God, and we're going to learn for two Sundays in a row about the characteristic or the heart of this man who had more grace from God. You know, all this year, uh, regarding faithfulness and humility, I always shake my heart all the time. I know that next week I'm going to stand before thousands of people in Thailand, come for the revival meeting. I need to shake my heart all the time. This is not me; it's by the grace of God. I need to humble myself. Number two, even to today, now I still go to care group every Friday. I am faithful to my care group. Faithful to stand in the church on Sunday, I need to be like Joseph and Ruth, faithful in even little little thing, because I want more grace from God. I check myself all the time. I, am I faithful? Am I really walking in humility and don't demand people to do anything for me? Amen. I need to check myself because I don't want to fall down into sin and get into trouble with pride and. Arrogance, amen. Look at Acts chapter seven, verse forty-six, talking about King David. Acts seven forty-six, who found favor before God, and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. Verse forty-seven, but Solomon built him an house. David, King David, and before he became the king, he was the boy David. He was a shepherd. He found favor before God since he was a young boy. 
the Lord sent a prophet to his dad's home, Jesse. And the prophet told Jesse, "God want me to anoint one of your sons here to be the future king." Jesse and other older brothers did not even think about the boy David. He was small, ruddy, taking care of the sheep out there in the field. He is an outdoor guy. So Jesse brought in all this handsome boy in one by one. Anytime one boy come in, no, not this one. Next one, no, not this one. No, not this one. Until all of them were examined by the prophet, and the prophet asked, "Anyone else?" In even t h e m i they never thought about the boy David to come in to be chosen to be a king. They forgot about him. The prophet said, "I'm not going to sit down and eat until I see the next guy, King David." At that time, the boy David ran from the field. I believe that his body was full of sweat. He smelled like a sheep. He did not have time to take a shower, or put makeup on, or even comb his hair. He just ran in because. He got called to come back into the home by his father, but when he showed up, the prophet said, "This man will be the next king." Is that the grace of God? Since he was young, we're going to learn about his life. Why this man has so much grace? He was standing before Goliath as a young boy, and Goliath died, got killed by him. Was that the grace of God? That a young boy could kill a big giant. He faced Goliath. By the grace of God, when King Saul tried to kill him, chase after him, he ran away. Days after days, years after years, the presence of God was with him, and he was spared. He was protected all these years by the presence of God, by the grace of God. The question is. Did David have the presence of God in his life? Did David have phenomenal grace in his life? Yes. When he faced lion and bears, he just, by the grace of God, just killed them. Wow! This man has so much grace in his life. Now we're going to look at what was the reason why God gave David. More grace than other men in his generation. We're going to look together in the Bible, and I believe that if you change your heart today uh, and get serious about the Word and change your lifestyle and your heart, God can increase grace in you as well. Amen. How many people want to learn about King David today? One time, King Saul talked to him, David. I want to give my daughter to you as a wife. Marry my. Daughter, and you become my son-in-law. Look at David said in First Samuel chapter 18, verse 18. So David said to Saul, "Who am I, and what is my life of my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king?" Is it the same story again, like Ruth, Daniel? And Esther, who am I? David was very humble. He did not have a sense of entitlement. He did not think that to become 
the son-in-law of a king or to be in the royal family is owed to him. He did not feel that he deserved to be the son-in-law of the king. He was very humble. I believe that some of us, if we answer King Saul, when King Saul said, "Mary, my daughter, you're going to become my son-in-law," oh, you're so lucky! I finished University of Washington. I'm a great doctor. I kill lions and bear. Oh, I'm so much capable. You're so lucky to get me. I'm a great guy. King David did not say that. King David said, "Who am I?" He was very humble. He knows that every good things that happen to his life is by the grace of God. He did not expect any position. He did not think that any position is owed to him. He just walked with God in love and commitment. David obtained so much grace in his life because he was a humble man. King Saul tried to kill him, chase after him. The Philistines tried to kill him. Goliath tried to kill him. The bears and lions. He was fighting with Goliath, but all this time, he was preserved. He was spared. He was protected by. The presence of God. How many people want to be that kind of man and woman? Everywhere you go, the presence of God is with you. He preserves you. He protects you in the midst of all difficulties. And one day, David became a king. Let's look at what the Bible say after he became a king. First Chronicles chapter 17 verses. I'm going to read little by little from verse one on. After David was settled in his palace, listen carefully. He said to Nathan, the prophet, "Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent." Nathan replied to David, "Whatever you have in mind, do it, for God is with you." Everyone say, "God is with me." This is a, the way Nathan labeled King David. God is with you. The grace of God. The grace of God is the presence of God upon your life. That night, the word of God came to Nathan, saying, "Go and tell my servant David. This is what the Lord says: You are not the one to build me a house to dwell in. I have not dwelled in a house from the day I brought Israel up out of Egypt to this day. I have moved from one tent site to another, from one dwelling place to another." Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their leaders whom I commanded to shepherd my people, "Why have you not built me a house of cedar?" Now, then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says: I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. What caused David to come out from with the staff of a shepherd to become a ruler of a great nation? What caused him to be the king? The grace of God, the presence of God. You may come from obscurity; no one know you, but God can 
move you from that unknown place into the place of influence like King David. Amen. Kentaro, God can use you to touch Japan for Him. If you have the grace of God upon you, Japan need Jesus. Japan need a man of God who has the grace to bring the gospel back to Japan. You cannot do it by yourself. God can raise you up from just an office worker to be a man who can influence millions of people in Japan by His grace. Amen. But look at the heart of King David. David say, "I have a nice house here. I want to build a house for God." Have you ever thought, "I have a nice big screen TV in my house, but what happened to the house of God here? I have nice carpet in my house. How about the house of God? David loved God so much, and he honored God. He wanted to do great things. For the house of God, for the kingdom of God, he totally sold out for God. He cared about God's kingdom more than anything else. We're going to continue to look at his life in this sermon. Look at verse eight. I have been with you wherever you have gone. Is that the presence of God? How many people want this verse to be long to you? Wherever you go, the presence of God go with me. Anywhere, everywhere, any place. In the world, the presence of God come with me, and I have cut out of all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name like the names of the greatest men of the earth. Wow! If you have the grace of God, if you have the presence of God upon your life, whatever come against you, God just knock it off. Your enemy, demons, whatever, He knock them off. Amen. Because the grace of God and the presence of God will go before you to get rid of your enemies, and you can have victory. And not only that, His name was so great; many kinds of rulers and kings came and left the world, and you don't even know many of them today. Who are these kings? Who are these rulers in different nations? But how many people know the name of King David? Millions of people. Even today, we are preaching about King David. His name is so great, not because of his own ability, because God gave him so much grace. He must be the kind of man that God gives special grace to him. Amen. All the men in this room, you want to be this kind of man that God gives so much grace to you. Check your heart. You need to have the right heart, amen. Verse nine, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own. Everyone say a place of my own. When you have the grace of God, you're going to have your own office, your own home, your own place to live. You will not have to be kicked out or evicted from the place. You can have freedom to do anything in your office, in your own home. The grace of God gives you the place of your own, and not only your own, but your kids and people under you. One of the reasons I want more grace because I want the members of this church to have more grace too. You notice that when the grace of God was upon King David, everyone under him got blessed too. 
the grace of God flow from the top down. You see, that's why he said, "Listen carefully. I will provide a place for my people Israel." Who is the king of Israel at that time? David. David has the grace. The people of Israel had the grace too, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also subdue all your enemies. You live a victorious life. The enemy cannot touch your home, cannot do anything to you, because you have the grace of God in the house of God here. Great grace upon the house. The Bible says, "I declare to you, the Lord will build a house for you. The Lord help him to build a family, the house, the royal dynasty, build the kingdom to him." Listen carefully. Next one, verse eleven. When your days are over and you go to be with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, and one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He's the one who will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever, and his throne will be established forever. All the parents in this room, one of the most important thing in your life that you can pass into your children' life. Is the heritage of the grace of God. If you are faithful, you are humble, you live your life that God is happy with you. God promised you that even after you died, you and your children and your grandchildren and great grandchildren shall be protected and taken care by your God. I know that all these years I may not have a lot of time for my kids, but I know one thing: I leave a heritage for my kids. That even after I die, God going to take care of Tanida, Joy, and Paul, and their children, because that is a promise of God. When you are the man or the woman with so much grace, that grace will flow into your children as well. It's better than buying a nice car for them. My children may say, "No, no, that that's not true." <laughs> Buy a nice car for me. But really, the grace of God is more important than a nice car. So, parents, be faithful in serving God, seeking the kingdom of God first, like King David. Amen. Amen. And look at how he respond. Verse sixteen, again. Then King David went in. You see, he received the promise from God. He will have a house of his own. His children will be taken care of. He God established the kingdom. He will be protected from his enemy. Oh, so much grace! God is so gracious to him, to him and his family, and to the nation that he took care of. David did not say, "Oh, you're so lucky." You know, I'm a great man. Did he say that? Look at verse 16. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. He went into the house of God, sat before the Lord in the presence of God, and he said, "Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And 
As if this were not enough in your sight, O God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. He called himself servant. You have looked upon me as though I were the most exalted of men, O Lord God. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant, O Lord. For the sake of your servant, according to your will, and you have done this great thing and make known all these great promises. And then he began to praise God. There's no one like you, O Lord. There's no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears, and who is like your people Israel. He kept on praising God until verse 27. Look at the response of King David. Who am I? Did he feel entitled to receive the kingship and all these great promises of God? He did not think that God owes him anything. He was so humble. He did not feel entitled. He did not demand. He know that every good thing comes from the grace of God. It's a free gift from God. Amen? Everyone say humility. He was so humble. But King David did not stop at just being humble. What kind of person he is to receive the grace of God? Why did he want to build a house for God? Why he has a house of cedar? And the Ark of the Covenant has no house. How many people know why did he want to spend all his money and energy and time to build a house, but God did not allow him to do it? Because he loved God and honored God with all his heart. Everyone say, with all my heart. He was sold out. He loved God with all his heart. First Chronicles seventeen one. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. He cared about the reputation of God so much. He cared about how people are going to look at his God. His heart want to honor God. The heart of, that motivates him to live his life for God all this year is that he honor his God. He loved his God with all his heart. You remember one time, a big giant named Goliath came down. This big guy paced back and forth and defied and cursed the God of Israel and blasphemed the God of Israel. He just, come fight with me. Your God is nothing. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who killed this Philistine and take away the reproach? Everyone said the reproach. King David was not happy that this guy blasphemed his God from Israel. And who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He was upset for the name of God. He honored God so much. Verse 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the power of 
the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, "Go, and the Lord be with you." What do we learn about this story? We learn that King David loved God more than his own life. There is something that we should have more passion than living, and that passion is to live for God. You need to have the picture here: small guy and many feet giant. By logic, you walk out, you can be killed, you can die. Did he risk his life? Yes, he was willing to die for God. He went out to fight with the big giant. Sometimes people complain, "My dog died, my golden fish died." If Jesus wait and doesn't come back, we all gonna die one day. Is that right? Are we gonna die one day? Face it, we all gonna die one day. But should we die for God or should we die for the world? We should die for God. We gonna die one day anyway. And King David sold out for God that he said, "I'm willing to die for God." But he know he will not die because he have so much faith. He was willing to risk his life. He was very passionate about God. His heart for God, his commitment to God was so high that he say, "If anyone else will not fight this guy, I go out myself." And he went out with a slingshot, standing small guy. That guy is big, the giant, who is the professional fighter, professional soldier. All this time he was a professional. King David just a shepherd with a slingshot, and in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, the Philistine giant knocked down. Why was he knocked down? Because King David was a great guy? No, because of the grace of God. His heart was right. The presence of God was with him. God. Helped him. The grace of God is our help, is our ability, opportunity, strength, and victory. We're going to continue to learn next Sunday the life of King David. So many scripture talk about how he sold out, how he loved God so much, how he honored God with all his heart. Amen. The reason I run this church all this year because I want to honor my God. I want to build the house of God in this generation. I love God with all my heart. I want to be like King David. I want to sold out for God, live for God. Tomorrow I'm g o i n g to get on the airplane. My patient asked me, "How do you do this many times a year? Get on the airplane, sitting there 18 hours. It's not fun to sit in an airplane. But I'm sold out. If my trip to Asia." Save hundreds of people. Save that man who was homosexual. Turn his life around. It's worth it for the kingdom of God. Amen. Everyone say with all my heart. With all my heart. Oh Lord. I want to have the right kind of heart, and we all, Lord, in this church, want to stay humble before you. We don't have a sense of entitlement. That people owe us anything, or things owe to us. 
We want to be humble before you, Lord. We want to be faithful like Joseph and Ruth, faithful to our leaders, faithful to our parents and our boss, faithful to our God, to our church, faithful to the ministry you call us to do. We want to be like Daniel, Ruth, Esther, Joseph, and King David. We ask you to increase. Your favor and your grace are your presence in our life. This year, Lord, the beginning of your 2015, we make a choice to love you, to seek you, to honor you with all our heart, like King David. We love you more than our own life. We love you more than our own reputation and. Comfortable life than our own money. Whatever you tell us to do, we do it, Lord. No matter how much price we have to pay, we want more grace from you, thicker presence, and we believe, Father, you shall bless the people in this house with victory. Bless them with the place of their own, the office of their own. Bless their children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren. All the parents in this room will experience great grace of God, and the grace of God will flow down into their children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren. <laughs> Thank you, Father. This promise belongs to us as well. Thank you, Lord. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ, or you walk away from Him, I like you to come back home. Why don't you talk to Him? Tell Him, God, I want to follow You from now on. You are my God. Why don't you pray with me? If you are those people who don't know Jesus, or walk away from Jesus, follow the words I say. Father, I come back home. You are my Father. Father God, you sent Jesus to die for me, to save me, not to condemn me, but to give me abundant life. Lord Jesus, come into my heart right now. From today on, I will depend on your grace, unmerited favor. Undeserved gift. I cannot boast. I cannot say I am great. But because of your grace, I am saved. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Congratulations. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at two zero six two seven five one zero four two. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. I'm so thirsty.
I'm <laughs> sorry.